This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. Very excited that you guys are focusing on the issue of hunger and homelessness um, for your ho- hunger and homelessness week. Um, I've worked on this issue for almost five years now, um, so you know I think it's great to be able to talk about what's happening around the world and some ways that we're um, working to combat hunger. So the, the four things that I want to share with you today is the challenge we face, um, where we're getting our money to try to solve these problems, um, the innovations that we're using to try to end hunger around the world, and then the fourth thing is what you can do as a student here at Villanova to help do your part. So I just wanted to whet your appetite a little bit at the beginning. Um, we'll get into kind of the challenge of global hunger in a second, but there's a quick video that kind of talks about what um, we're using technology for. And so, this, you know, we use a lot of acronyms in, in our work, um, but ICT4D is Information and Communication Technology for Development. So just watch this video and then we can continue.
Since 2007, our ICT 4D programs have expanded and now cover all sectors and regions where we work. One of the primary factors driving us forward is the rapid rate of innovation. Every day, new applications of technology emerge, many from developing communities themselves, applications that improve their life and livelihoods. While information and communications technologies are revolutionizing the way people live, there is still much more to learn and share on how to use the technology in development work. CRS and its partners are committed to investing the necessary time and resources to build a future where technology is truly at the service of the poor. ICT4D, empowering those we serve. Okay. So how many of you are surprised to see the use of computers and mobile phones and the things that we're doing in the middle of Africa? Great, so I have your interest. Um, so yeah, we're using a lot of this stuff, but let's look more at the problem um, before we kind of delve into uh, the solutions. Let's see, why isn't this going? Start here. Great. So I'm sure a lot of you have studied um, about the topic of hunger. I'll just give you some background just in case or to refresh your memories. Um, we have around 842 million people. That's one in eight. So, you know, if we have a room of however many this is, imagine every eighth person being hungry. That means you go to bed at night hungry. You know, the feeling after you play sports or before you go to class, if you're hungry, it's harder to do all those things. It's harder to concentrate. It's harder to have the energy to do daily things. So, you know, it's, it's a common problem that people around the world face, not just around the world, but in the United States as well. Um, nine million people die every year from hunger and malnutrition. That's not just that they starve to death, but it's really about you know, diseases that you become more susceptible to when you are malnourished. Um, and then what's interesting also is that most, well, not interesting, but, you know, most of the people who are hungry um, live in the developing world. So what's interesting, I think, is that 75% of the world's hungry are rural people. So they are mostly farmers and they're growing their own food. The problem is they're not growing enough of it or, you know, in times of drought, or flood, their crops are wiped out, and then they have nothing to rely on. Um, one in three children die from hunger, and then you see that women and children are more affected by hunger than men. Um, and this is both cultural and, um, for other reasons, women kind of get into a cycle of hunger where if you're born um, to a mother who is underweight, then you have a higher chance of being stunted, and then the cycle continues. Um, hunger and poverty are distinctly related. Um, the poor spend more than 50% of their income on food. I think in the United States it's less than 10%. So imagine, you know, spending five times as much food on, um, at the grocery store. And, you know, we saw the food price crisis in 2010 and it caused hunger riots all over the world. And if that continues to be a trend, we'll see a lot more um, unrest around the world. And this is all combined with the fact that we have a growing population and t types of food assistance that the United States is one of the main providers for is already trending downward. So this is just the last three years has gone down significantly from 2005, which is kind of at the peak. So I wanted us to look at 
where we get this money from. And these programs that you kind of saw in, in the video um, are funded by the U.S. government. The U.S. government is one of the most generous providers of assistance around the world, whether it's for emergencies or for to do development programs. And so we're going to look a little bit at the ways in which these programs are funded. So there's two main legislative vehicles that fund our food assistance programs. The first is the Farm Bill. Um, has anyone heard of the Farm Bill? Okay, good. And I know some of you are studying it, but more on the domestic side. So on the international side, the Farm Bill has sort of, it has many programs, but the two that we're going to focus on today are the emergency side, or sorry, three, emergency side, development side, and then local and regional procurement, which I'll explain a little bit more of. Um, and then we have international disaster assistance, which is exactly how it sounds. It's funding to provide assistance in the ca case of disaster. So in the Philippines right now, this is the type of funding that we're getting, and that is part of this emergency food security program. So when we conceptually look at it, and you'll understand why in a little bit. Um, the emergency and development programs are very similar, and then the local regional procurement pilot program and the emergency food security program are very similar. So a little bit about the Farm Bill. Um, it was last authorized in 2008, and it's a five-year bill, so it has technically expired, which is why we're trying to reauthorize it. The total bill includes you know, farm subsidies, everything that has to do with United States agriculture, but and it's, that's a $300 billion bill. So that's a huge amount. And the tiny little portion is ours that goes to international programs is for $1.4 billion, and that's 0.5% of the whole bill. So it's a very small amount. But it's very important that those dollars go very far, especially <coughs> when you're in sub-Saharan Africa and everything costs a lot less. So what's interesting about the Farm Bill is for international programs, the United States provides commodities, and that is in the form of corn, wheat, beans, and things that are grown in the United States. It does not provide any money to organizations like CRS. And so it's an interesting process because in the cases of emergency, we do send this American food abroad, which is great you know, if, you need, um, if a country is in need of food and we ship it over. Um, I'll go into that soon. And then... For the programs that we're going to kind of talk about today are the ones highlighted in yellow. So that's Food for Peace, which are these development and emergency programs, and the local and regional procurement pilot. So emergency programming takes up the majority of this funding. Um, it, it, we spend about $1.1 billion out of that $1.4 billion a year for international emergency programs. Some of the countries I'm sure you've heard of, has anyone traveled to any of these countries before? Yes, where have you been? Haiti. Haiti, okay, great. Yeah, so we we're doing emergency relief after the earthquake. Anyone else? Yes? Oh, great, okay. So we did some, um, I think, after the drought in 2010 and 11. Anyone else? That's great. Yes? Kenya, okay, great. Yeah, so, you know, there, it's, um, these are some of the countries we provide the support in. And again, it's U.S. food shipped on U.S. flag ships to these countries and then distributed to people in need. Um, and so these programs usually last between six months to a year, depending on the need and how many people need it. And feel free to ask questions during the presentation. 
Development programs are a little different. Um, they last for five years, and you know, just by the name of it, it's a very different purpose. Emergencies are for immediate needs. Development is more trying to focus on the causes of hunger. So you know, if you have 75% of the world who's hungry are in rural areas and they're farmers, then what do you do? You concentrate on their livelihood and their production. So CRS is working in, oh, sorry, let me, back up, but okay, so the process of using the commodities that we're getting from the US government is that um, we have to actually, we do a lot of, um, let me go to the next slide actually. So we're working in Burkina, you know, all these countries, but the actual activities we're, that we're doing are not just distributing food. We're doing um, nutrition education, so that gets to the problems of women not feeding their children kind of a, a full healthy diet. We're looking at agricultural training and business development, which is, you know, once you, you learn how to um, plant your crops or get a better yield, and then how do you sell that if you have um, high outputs and how do you make money from that. Then we have savings and internal lending commi committees, which is how, you know, how you save your money, how you invest it in a small business that you can also have a different livelihood and not just um, depend 100% on your farm. And then governance and early warning systems, which is very much tied into climate change and environmental protection and making sure that you know, these droughts that are happening more often, um, you will be prepared for those when they come. So um, backing up now, so the process of getting um, these programs to these people is not as simple as just CRS and going out and doing these programs. What we need to do is that the government funds of the Farm Bill and we get 300 million um, to do this, but using that 300 million, we buy commodities from US farmers. So let's say we buy 300 metric tons of corn from Iowa. Then we need to ship that <coughs> to um, Burkina, or we ship it to Sierra Leone. And then when it gets to Sierra Leone, we have to um, drive it in trucks to Burkina Faso, let's say our program's in Burkina Faso, where if we want to do any of the things that I mentioned before, like the savings and lendings um, committees or the agricultural training, which all costs money, we actually have to sell that food back on the market and use that money then to do our program. So it's a little bit, you know, you can see that it wastes a bit of money to go through this whole process which is part of the Farm Bill. So it's actually mandated by law that we go through this process. So it's a little bit wasteful, would you agree? <laughs> but right now that's how we do our work because that's the way that we get our money from Congress. So I'm gonna show another quick video of the type of work we're doing in Malawi. And this is again <coughs> development programming that goes towards looking at the root causes of hunger and poverty and how we're working with local farmers. And this one's in Malawi. Um, farmers are planting chilies, which are, uh, you know, they weren't planting to sell, and now they are. So, this should be...
capital marketing, they buy the debt at a price, and the farmer will have no choice but just to take the price. But when they are in a group, then the group gives out a price. Hi, my name is Sana Rowewala. Gandhi, Mabida Mwaza, Minari Mindama, Maka, Mpawdi, Kipedufula, Uti Mwotipasi. Nishito Tukumbudi Lemi, Uti Mwotipasi Ndama. Mwawala, Itabwela, Kusa Ujimwa Sabora. Dimele, Nuti Naona, Uti Aakoni, Ujimwa Sabora, Business, Yeti Ngama. Inendi na mene kina rio ya jivira kwa mbizi, kubanga kwa kamiya, samora. Sheikh, it's running high up there in the Pasha Valley, and it also does not need a lot of area. That's why people have to know, even those that have got to low land quality, they are able to make money. It is a bit tedious to go door to door and try and you know um, purchase from every individual farmer, every smallholder farmer that is out there. It becomes a lot easier logistically to have one point at which you can buy from a collective number of farmers and doing it individually. The buyers go the communities, the communities will not move, the buyers will continue to buy from the communities. Big businesses play a crucial role in alleviating problems that a farmer may have because they're able to give them the income that they need.
So Candace, my colleague, just wanted me to remind you, you, you know, we have all of these um, farmers in Africa and Southeast Asia, and they don't have very many options. So it's not that they can go to the local, you know, McDonald's and get a job or anything like that. They really are kind of s trapped in their, you know, in their communities where they kind of either make a living there or they can go to the cities, which we're seeing a lot more of, especially as things like droughts and floods continue to be more prevalent. Um, but it is, you know, a way to keep people growing food. If we have, I think it's 9 billion that we're expecting in 2050 around the world, that they're really saying that African farmers are sort of one of our answers to being able to feed this population. So we want to continue to kind of promote this work. Okay. So we've seen the emergency and development programs where we take U.S. commodities and we go through this whole process of either de delivering it to people and communities or going through this process of selling it and then um, delivering food and helping them with their agriculture and other livelihood needs. So Congress actually let us pilot something called the local and regional procurement, which is something very different. Rather than using U.S. commodities, we get things like cash, vouchers, people can go to their local store and buy food, they can get food from wholesalers who are in their communities, or go to their local market day um, in smaller rural communities to buy their food. So local and regional procurement is kind of a mouthful, but what it is, it's really being able to buy food assistance in the country or region of distribution. So that's using cash or vouchers to buy it to help with food insecurity in that community. So rather than going through this whole process of using US food, you're really just going to the source. So this is a rather new thing for the United States to do, um, even though Europe and other countries have been doing this type of assistance for a long time. Um, and one of the things that we want to do when we're thinking about doing local procurement is um, thinking about when is it appropriate to do this. So some of the questions we might ask um, include, are markets functioning? So have you heard, I'm sure you've heard about the um, typhoon in the Philippines. Um, and did anyone get a sense of whether things were operating there, whether they were, you know, there's still food and clothes and things like that for people to buy? Have you seen reports on the news or anything like that? No, okay. Well, there's definitely devastation in the areas and the islands where the typhoon hit, but you know, in Manila, which is the capital, and all the surrounding cities, there's still food available. There's still markets that are functioning, and so that's a perfect um, place to kind of do this type of programming. Um, so again, is food locally available? And one of the big things we want to do is make sure we're not disrupting markets. So if we're bringing in, um, you know, a million dollars worth of programs, is that going to make the dollar 
um, decrease in value and make it harder for other people to purchase things that are on the market. So with this pilot program that we started in 2008, we were able to do some research and we found a lot of great things. So for example, cost um, with the local purchase rather than shipping U.S. commodities, we were able to save up to 50% of the cost of bringing over U.S. food. So um, those savings are higher when you're in a landlocked country, in a, probably in sub-Saharan Africa, where you have to ship it all the way from Louisiana to um, the coast of Africa. Um, then we found that we, fa we could save time using this process. So rather than shipping it, which can take three to six months, um, you can start a program immediately and ha start distributing food or vouchers or cash within a few weeks. Um, beneficiaries preferred the food that they were used to. So, um, you know, we're, we were sending them things like lima beans, which people in, you know, Senegal had no idea how to cook. And so we would try to give them recipes. We would try to kind of show them how to cook it. But, you know, food is such an important part of all of our lives that you really want to eat your own food, especially if you're in a situation of emergency or sort of, you know, when you're hungry. And then the last thing that we wanted to study is whether we would have these types of market impacts. So what we found was that our programs, um, bringing in cash and vouchers and things like that, did not have any negative market impacts. So this is something that we're going to continue to monitor, um, but it, for the most part, was a good thing. So where do we find funding for LRP? So we had our pilot program in 2008, but because that bill is now over, um, that pilot program is, has completed. So the only other way we're able to do this type of local purchase is through the Emergency Food Security Program, which is um, about $375 million a year. We're using it in the Philippines, we're using it in Syria, um, and other places where um, it makes sense to do it. Um, right now, we are looking at passing a farm bill. So it's the 2013 farm bill, and um, there is, in the Senate version, uh, a program for $40 million to go to this. So this will tie in sort of to what you can do um, as a student here at Villanova at the end. So now we're going to move into the technology part. Um, there's a lot of different things that you saw in the video at the beginning that we're using in the field. So I'm just going to kind of go through some of these and give you examples. But, you know, mobile money um, through mobile phones. So I, the United States is actually a little behind in this area where, you know, I don't think that you can send money directly to someone else yet, can you? On your phone? No. So like in places like Haiti, you can do that. So um, we're using that. And with that, you can, with a press of your button, you can send um, mobile money to 100,000 people rather than the old way, which was having people wait in line and pass out vouchers or pass out food. Um, we're using ATM debit cards. So in places um, that have, you know, where people have access to um, banks, which are mostly in more urban areas, um, we're providing debit cards so they can go get the money themselves to buy things on the local markets. Um, we're using it for things like registering beneficiaries. So those are the people that we're helping in a, an emergency or in a development program. And, you know, oftentimes people in these rural areas or after an emergency, they have no form of identification. They've lost everything that has their name on it. So this is a way of sort of, you know, and I'll show you something real quick. Um, can I get who's from out of state? Okay. You. So do you want to just come up? So let's just say that we've just been in a, you, you're signing up for my program to learn about um, savings and lending. So 
we now use iPhones in the field to register our beneficiaries, and I'm just going to show you how simple it is. So, okay, what's your last name? Persichetti. P oh my gosh. S I S I C K C K E T T I. Okay, great. <laughs> Don't worry. There are some that are really hard in the field. Okay, um, first name. Emily. Oh, that's my Perfect. Okay. Um, female. Are you a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior? Sophomore. Sophomore. And I can also take a photo of my beneficiary. Okay. And then now I'm going to have you sign it so that the next time you show up with this, I know that it's you. Great. Okay. So now... I'm saving her information, and this will all go into a database. So if we have 2,000 people that we're working with, rather than have everyone fill out a form, you know, that took, what, like a minute, right? Okay, now let's see what we're going to do. Done. Now, so I'm going to tell you, okay, thank you for participating in our program. Um, you know, next time, come back in a week, and then we'll start our program, and we have these handy printers that we bring into the field that will print her identification card. So it not only has her information on it, it has her photo and her signature. So that's just, I mean, I've never even seen this in the United States, so <laughs> I think it's pretty cool that we're using this in, you know, sub-Saharan Africa where there's very little connectivity otherwise. So it'll take a sec second to print it, but... Um, and then, you know, if anyone wants to play around with this, if you're technologically inclined later, please feel free to, okay, let's wait for that. Um, okay. Here, I'll, I'll deliver it to you after. Thanks. Okay, so that's just, so registration of beneficiaries, then we're, you know, as part of our work, we want to make sure that the people we're working with are benefiting. So not only are we tracking how much food we're delivering and things like that, but we're going and doing um, questionnaires to say, you know, how many meals have you eaten? Um, are you able to last the week with, you know, feeding yourselves three, three times a day and things like that? Um, we're looking at information sharing. So if everyone you're working with has a cell phone, you can send them text messages, say, um, you know, make sure you show up at this place to receive your next voucher or things like that. Um, there's e-learning courses for farmers, so the you know, I'm sure you have that type of thing here at school now, but now farmers in Africa can get online and take a course on how to build your business. Um, and then they can also get price information and things like that. If a wholesaler's coming, let's say that chili um, buyer comes to your village, he can email all of you or text all of you and say, you know, come at this time in this place, and then you can go sell your chil chilies. So there's, you know, there's so many benefits that, I, that we see in the work that we're doing that we're just able to meet the needs of a lot more, more people um, at one time. It, it's just we're able to kind of collect data in a way that we weren't able to before and so forth. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of what we're doing exactly. Um, this was mentioned in the video, but we were, after the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, we were doing some work, so, you know, obviously there was an earthquake and there was a lot of rubble around. So one of the activities that we did was we paid people who um, had food, food insecurity to clear the rubble and then we would pay them with um, mobile money. And so we, pr um, we partnered with the mobile phone company, the local bank, and we worked with them to do these types of programs. And what we found was that we were able to do the programs in a much shorter time. 
Um, it actually cost us a lot less money than having many more staff be at all these different places handing out food. Um, and that people really, you know, felt like they were at the forefront of development. They were, you know, using their mobile phones to collect money and use it to buy food. So it was, you know, benefit to all. In Burkina Faso, um, we did a program where um, there were refugees from Mali coming and I might just skip this video if we're running out of time, but um, it was another way in which we were using iPads to register and then print their vouchers. And then the last one is that um, business planning for farmers. And so also mentioned in this video, a lot of these farmers are now able to, you know, do things like run profitability analysis, which before, you know, they, if they earned any money, they'd use it on food or things like that. Um, and it works with NGOs and farmers and field agents so that they can really develop a business plan and understand how they can um, essentially earn more money so that they can feed their families. So we are using this in the Philippines. Um, we will continue to sort of expand it as um, the initial response is over. Um, but you know, this is a perfect example of why we want to be able to use technology, use the cash, things like cash and vouchers in our programs. So I'm going to go over our advocacy positions just for your information. But the one that I want you to focus on is this last one, which is now, you know, our pilot program is over. We're not allowed to use cash and vouchers from the Farm Bill, and that's something that we really want to continue. We're able to do things in a cheaper way, in a more timely way, and so, and we're able to use a lot of this technology that we're not really able to do if we're using commodities and things like that. So um, one of our big asks of Congress is to allow us to continue to do this local and regional procurement. So I'm going to have my colleague Candice come up and kind of explain the different um, grassroots advocacy activities that we do. I don't know why this isn't printed. So, um, I think the, the key focus that Emily has been trying to, to share with you tonight is that we hope that none of you ever go hungry, that you never experience it. But if you do, wouldn't it be amazing if there are programs like this to help you, to help your family or people that you know that are hungry? Um, many groups that you're probably already working with are helping people here in the United States. Our role is to help people outside the United States um, to meet their most basic human right of food. Everyone deserves enough to eat. So maybe you've never experienced hunger. I hope you haven't. But um, this is this is a big deal. It's not you know a pie in the sky dream that we can we can uh, end hunger. It's it's something that's within our reach. And Congress, your elected officials who are tasked with representing you in the government, um, are working on this farm bill right now. It's a really big deal because we only get an opportunity every five years to figure out what is our policy going to be around food. Uh, has anyone heard of that there's, there's been huge cuts to the food stamp program here in the United States? Is anybody aware of that? Really significantly deep cuts. Uh, I encourage you to, to, to advocate on that. Um, and we're working in partnership with the, the Catholic Church on that initiative here in the United States. But some of the programs Emily talked about, they're totally messing it up. They're getting it all wrong. It's our job, our responsibility, to let them know that they can fix it. They can help our taxpayer dollars be used more efficiently and effectively. Right? So Emily was saying local and regional procurement works. But then they, they didn't get the message. They cut it out completely. So it's our job to say, hey, wait a second. In this farm bill, make sure there's enough money to help those who are most in need. We're not talking about you know, people that maybe have a few meals a day. We're talking about the most vulnerable population. So there's a few key people that are working on um, 
the negotiations right now, the Senate has one version, the House has another version. They don't usually get along. They're not getting along, and they're sort of saying, no, cut this, cut that. And we're saying, okay, do your job, figure out a compromise solution, but make sure you're providing enough money to help those who are the hungriest, the poorest, and the most vulnerable. Uh, so in the House, they have a, a group of people that they've elected to, to sort of serve in this conference committee, the same in the Senate. There's Some of these folks are right here. If you're from those states, you're super important. You have an extra job to do uh, because they're, they're right now figuring out what's going to happen. Um, once the conference committee figures out a negotiation, a compromise solution, the whole House, the whole Senate will have to vote on it. And that's when we need you to let your two senators, you have two senators and you have one representative to say, please protect poverty-focused uh, funding in the Farm Bill and, and add in things like Emily was talking about. Oh, no, oops, oops, sorry. Can you go to the next slide for me? Sorry. Oh, it's, you mean the internet one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you don't know who your senators uh, and your representative are, you can um, go to our website and you just type in your, your zip code. Hopefully you're all registered to vote. You should all be registered to vote. Uh, and that's where you can find who represents you. Uh, and then once you find out who that is, you can send them an email or you can call them. We have all of this done already for you. It's very simple. It takes like two minutes to say, I, I care about people who are poor and hungry and I want you to do something about it. It's as simple as that. You don't need to be an expert on the issue. You just have to let your voice be heard. Uh, we have an action alert on our website. Um, the handout you have also has the information on this uh, that you can use tonight. And you can send an email to your senator and representative with that same message. If you have your phone out, which I know so many of you do, you can text CCGP to 30644. And um, I don't want to mess up your slide. Is no. It your slide? no, it's on a slide. It's. Do you, did you have it on a slide, though? Yeah. Is it this one? Uh, this one. No, okay, sorry. Yeah. Oh, you didn't have, okay, there you go. Sorry, at the top. Um, so, yeah, CCGP stands for Catholic Compressible Poverty. This is really simple, but it's really important. Um, what Congress is doing has a big impact in the next five years. People who are here and hungry overseas. So, yeah. Great, that's it. So, does anyone have any questions? And I have your cool, oops, I served it. I'll make you a new one. Not EDU.